You're listening to the Ecological Podcast, all about our positive partnerships with horses and other animals through work and play. Your hosts are Rebecca Bayliss from Little Green Stables and Kate Blackmore from Ecological Positive Partnerships. Hello. Oh, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> What a few, what a few days. So we're recording this via Zoom, this episode of the podcast, because we did actually record it together. We've done this um, one before. (laughs) We have on Monday. And then for some reason it didn't record, which is such a shame because it flowed really well. But here we are again, and we'll make it flow just as well. Um, it'll be good. And you've had a really, really exciting week with Equisolus. So I want you to tell us all about that. And also you've got an exciting weekend coming up. So um, that's going to be really good. And you're going to record lots of it. Obviously, Patreons will get to see that. Um, so head on over to Little Green Stables Patreon for all of those training videos and so much more. So yeah, tell us about your week and your exciting weekend. Okay, so... I had, um, a re- it's been really busy with ECRA scholars. So really, really fantastic uptake, feedback, everything. But America loves ECRA scholars, which is amazing, <laughs> which is really cool. And Australia as well. So um, I'm just so excited because it's such a, a um, it's really busy at the moment, like obviously with all the inquiries and stuff, and we've just got some phase two stuff we're doing before we do a proper hard launch, but, and we've got some camps coming up and stuff like that, but it is, yeah, it's been really amazing. And um, I've been uh, surprised by where, who actually is taking it on. I, but you're not that surprised, are you? you no, think- I'm not. I'm not that so I find the Americans very giving and very up for stuff. They get very pumped. They're, they say stuff, they do it when they say it. And I think sometimes I'm generalizing the Brits can be a little bit stuffy. They might like the idea of it, but then they have to think about it for six months. As where I think the Americans are much in general, the ones I've met are much more impulsive. They are very positive people you know they're, they're, they're good at praising themselves and I like that they're good at saying I'm good at this so watch me shine we don't tend to do that very much but what's been really interesting is I received an email from a lovely lady um, who's running ex scholars over there um, and she just she just bought it and and she messaged me and said you know she, for some advice on how to like advertise and talk about this in such a in a place that has such steep tradition in horses so they do have the same problems with that as well and and they're like she's like navigating her way of like okay we do they do lots of different things which is really cool that together they do lots of different disciplines but she's like okay well now what I love is the fact that she hasn't gone no well we can't do that she's going okay so how can we integrate that and how is best to represent that and that's what I love because I think that's that forward thinking that you need to stay on top mm. of business. Because if you stay stuck doing the same thing over and over again and don't open your mind, you're going to be stuck doing the same thing, getting the same results and not really going anywhere. So I think it's um, it's just really exciting. It's just really exciting at the moment. And just like all the all the comments and stuff it's just yeah it's wonderful so um, and you know what you could do you could do in the future you could do an equa scholars tour 
where you take obviously me and, uh, <laughs> and we go to Australia and we go to America and we visit all these wonderful places because I think the Australians are, are, um, are much I think they sit in between the Brits and the Americans they always seem really positive and happy yeah. to meet people and, have and I, uh, maybe maybe it's just the weather maybe it's because our winters are just dire and we're doom and gloom and <laughs> mud and maybe I um I also I don't know if I've spoken about the Australian Pony Club on this podcast before but they're like light years ahead of all the pony clubs with behavior and stuff like their stuff that they're bringing out is really really good and really they have a yeah they have a top welfare vet don't they she's like really um up there in the whole equine um freedoms world and is it New Zealand where you can't be a riding school horse for more than four years or something they're, they're quite um forward thinking with their with their um welfare yeah and, yeah. yeah in the horsey world yeah amazing we have a lot to learn we do always. we do yeah exactly and um so, yes this content. weekend yeah this weekend we have Jesse Sams and Dr Emily Keeson coming to the Congress and uh, yay and they're coming to train our staff actually which is really exciting so really kind of like the nerds are all <laughs> the nerds that I work with are very excited about chatting to Jesse Sams about all things neurological and trauma-based and um and obviously Emily's just got such a wealth of knowledge and experience it's going to be an awesome awesome day and gutted that you can't make it I don't know I know I can't make it because we have whole horse dissection, which is giving me headaches, but that too will be awesome. And again, lots of videos from that, which will be going on on Patreon because it's run by two amazing French osteos, equine osteos, who I've worked with both of them before, but one in particular I've worked for years with, and she is just awesome. And they train for five years, these equine osteos. They're, you know, they are, in my opinion, as qualified, if not more qualified in the body mechanics of the horse than the vet they are top notch and uh, every time I work with her and well both of them but particularly one it's just phenomenal so we'll be we're looking we're looking one of our highlights for this weekend is to look at the forces on the bit in relation to the hind limb yeah okay and, yeah and and the nose band so tons and tons of stuff so yeah super good it's a real therapist led dissection and um that's that's what i like because i'm a therapist you know so teaching me injection sites isn't really i kind of need to know that but it's not really helpful but teaching me about fascia connections and muscles and innovations from the nerves and we're going to check out the vagus nerve and we're going to yeah so we're going to do loads it's really exciting however i am also gutted that we picked the same weekend because I would have loved to um, have come to see Jesse and Emily, but I don't know anything about Emily. So what, what, um, what's Emily all about? Dr. Emily. Sorry, Kiss doctor. Doctor. Dr. Emily. M. Doctor Dr. in the house. Yeah. <laughs> she is, um, so she works for the Mimer Center and has done loads between the human and horse interactions. So she's done like PhDs and all that stuff on, um, you know, actually, <clears throat> maybe like quad quantifying or qualifying I don't know which what is actually going on you know and how the horses help us 
and how that those connections work because it's very easy to go oh horses help us and uh, this is one of my (laughs) yeah this is one of my bugbears because I um I get a bit annoyed when when I read things like you know the horse just simply being by the horse is is helping us and you know helps people and which I think is a little bit wishy-washy you know let's get down to like actually why that's happening and that's a lot of what she does um so this is the first time that they're going to be running this in the UK and we're going to do it quite bespoke because it's for us so so we're able to kind of like ask all the questions we want but also because we are trauma-informed uh a trauma-informed place um, we have all that human side, so it'd be really fantastic to get that horse side. And, and I'm really excited about them meeting our horses and seeing our place and, and seeing what they think of it. Because um, I remember I said to them, okay, well, what's the maximum number of people that we can have? Because we're doing it in a field with the horses. And they said, well, just as many as you think they're comfortable with. And I'm like, well, our horses are so different. You know, our courses yeah. are comfortable with a lot of people because they've been desensitized and trained that way. So, um, so it'll be really interesting to see what they've got to say. And then I think Jesse is also going to return and we're going to be doing a bit more work together later in the year. So that's exciting too. And, and hopefully we're going to do a podcast with her, aren't oh, we, yes. about the day? Yes. So, so you're going to record as much as possible and I'll plug it again. That'll go on Patreon. Patreon. And then... Um, and then we you we're going to have a chat with her next week which is really exciting and also really good is if you're going to be outside this weekend it's going to be sunny i know it's going to be amazing so kind of amazing yeah well (laughs) all looking forward to that looking at well it's better than doing a dissection in the rain kind of oh we've done it we did it in storm george a couple (laughs) of years ago we did a dissection in storm george and the horse we dissected was called george which seemed to kind of fit yeah obviously in a very weird way but yeah I don't actually know the name of this horse but um, maybe we'll call him Sonny oh bless him yeah we always give thanks because it's uh, it's a big thing but it's it's there to help us progress and learn so it's done for the right reasons so um yeah so today we're going to talk again because we have this is our second try um about head collars and halter training yeah because well, because I've been working with a couple of donkeys haven't yeah. I and this has come up so let me tell you a little not bit. your donkeys not the conquest not my donkeys. donkeys okay let me tell you a little bit about this so um I actually know know the lady but it came in as a referral but um yeah I used to work I know her through conquest and schools and stuff but she's um she's fantastic and she already she doesn't know really anything about behavior or training but she is trauma-informed she's a second so she understands it from a human perspective so it all makes sense to her from when I'm talking to her about horses because it's it's her industry almost um or donkeys anyway so bless her she's got these two donkeys she was done over a bit really and she went up to see them and her husband was like we can't leave those donkeys but there was a, a field and there was um two zonkeys in stallions in there and just a load explain, explain a zonkey a zonkey <laughs> is when a donkey and a zebra have sex they have a baby foal thing called the zonkey actually I wonder if there's a, I don't know if there's a foal version of zonkey or if it's just zonkey I don't know like as in what you call yeah. it, I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So they got delivered, 
came out of the truck. One didn't oh. have a head collar on. So there's two. The one that's 15. Um, the other one's about eight. Um, and one's male and one's female. So the male came out with no head collar on at all. Um, and the lady said, oh, he doesn't need a head collar. Like he's, he's fine. He doesn't need one. And then um, the, the female came out and the female is pregnant, five months pregnant. And we don't know. But did whether did they that, know that the female was pregnant no not at first oh and so now they might be having zonky babies or zonky donkey donkey but i don't really know how it works so we're not quite sure what's coming <laughs> anyway. anyway she's got this track system she's got this a fantastic bar she's got it all set up brilliantly um but the reason it became quite apparent quite quickly that he didn't have a head collar on is because he's absolutely petrified of head collars so um, so we're having to do a lot of work of introducing that head collar. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that later um, because I just wanted to, the other one, you, she's also really worried about head collar, but also if you move your feet around her, she will run away. She's that nervy. So, you know, obviously putting a head collar on is a massive thing and I'm not quite sure how they got it on in the first place, but that probably hasn't helped us. So um, let's first talk about like why, why equines might not like to have a head collar on um, or a halter. So Becky, over to you. Why do you think that they might, you know, <laughs> oh, okay, let's just take out, you know, um, any horse, Rum. Let's talk about Rum actually. Start off with Rum, how he used to be with the head collar when he first came to you, even though he'd been trained. Yeah, trained in inverted commas. So he arrived with a head collar and a lead rope and they left me that at 11 o'clock on a July evening with his infected um, fetlock. Um, so he had a head collar and a lead rope and he'd had no other training. So I knew that he was halter trained. So that's how they say it, halter trained. But that was it. Never had a foot trim or anything. But I just don't think he was trained at all. I think actually they just put a head collar on him when they advertised him they would have um he always looked very shiny and glossy so i think they would have put the head collar on tied him up tight and then hosed him mm -hmm. um to take photos and and they sort of would race them around a little concrete pen with sand in quite high walls to get the sort of canter and the, the sort of spanish look basically of him racing around and you didn't see the men but you can all the ladies but you can imagine how what they did to make them look like that so i think whatever the head collar training <laughs> that he'd had was probably just flooding it was probably just they just flooded him with it um as in it was just put on so but when when i got him of course he's he was allowed time to settle he didn't actually have a head collar on him for you know a while because we didn't need it because we just let him chill um and he was a stallion of course so chilling wasn't particularly in his remit and all, and he'd come from spain so it was like he'd, like he'd landed from the moon really completely <laughs> we didn't use a head collar because to be quite honest it would be even more aversive because he would have run away with it on you know and then the rope would be around his legs so we didn't we didn't need to do that because we had the fencing between the others so when we started to introduce it, it became very clear that he would throw his head up and he is now he's 16 hands, but at the time he was probably about 15 hands. Um, and 
I'm only five foot two. So even at 15 hands, throwing his head up, it was, I'd be sort of not chasing him around the yard, but doing this little dance with him. You know, I'd have his muzzle in the, in the nose bit and then I'd be trying to crank up my arms and it just became difficult. And I remember saying to you, I'm not having this. I'm not doing this. I see my clients doing this and I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I can't be being pulled, my arms being pulled out of my sockets because of this, this has got to change. And, and that was probably one of the, that and picking up his feet are probably two of the first behaviours that we looked at. And um, obviously we trained it with positive reinforcement. And because he obviously has some negative associations with it, but not necessarily abusive, um, associations and I'm saying that with a fine line because how do you define abuse but certainly positive things didn't happen when he had the head collar on and when the person was with him but we trained it and I don't think he had much aversive history because I think he was basically left alone until it was time to be sold um, that the training happened very quickly and now there's no issue at all mm-hmm. um, with it at all having it on so yeah so brilliant so that's really common and I think that a lot of people don't um, see that as a sign of not being okay with having the head collar on so I see a lot of people and you you see it everywhere you go and you know go with the head collar yeah. on already that heads up or just up a little bit or you know and that is a sign that that horse is not comfortable for some reason with having the head collar on so reasons why he might um well not him but in general why uh, any equine might have a problem with um having the head collar put on um is obviously like you said those historical associations so um a lot of the time you know putting the head collar on isn't thought of as a full training process Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like let's just put it on and let's keep it on but then that becomes flooding and also the feeling of that can be really uncomfortable especially the younger the horse it's just so that can be a reason why also what does the halter mean does it mean what happens when that halter gets put on do we then go and do lots of exercise and it's very hard and arduous and stuff or or, or do we do nice things? Usually it's because we need to do something or maybe get their feet trimmed or see the farrier or see the vet, you know? So it starts to become this like, oh, oh yeah. And also taking away from friends and stuff like that. So it starts to become a negative, like negative thing. As soon as they see it, it becomes conditioned. A negative start button. A negative stimuli, stimulus, not stimuli, stimulus. Um, and then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so lots of lots of stuff can go wrong with that, and also you know um, I think that medical procedures, especially if they've had a difficult medical procedure with that head collar on as well, there's there's a big association there, isn't there? So um, also um, because of the feel of it, so if a horse has been twitched. And if it's had an ear twitch or something, going near its ears is hard. So then you're picking the head collar over and it's just like, oh, don't go near my ears. So that's one of the first things, really, before you do anything, before you're even going to go into that training, can you do the touch acceptance? Can your horse, can you touch your horse all over and him be fine? 
And if not, then there's a training gaps there. It's the head, the ears, everywhere we want to. So with um, one of the donkeys at the moment, that with the pregnant one, um, so she will now come and get a carrot and, um, and then take it from you and then retreat. So, so now we're kind of like, okay, can you not retreat? So just take the carrot. And what I do is I hold my hand up there a little bit longer. And luckily she's really soft. And I am just, cause you can't touch her anywhere. And I am just, cause you can't get anywhere. Leaving like my fingers are just like stroking underneath her mouth as I give that food, just to get like a little bit of like, this is what it feels when my hand's here, but it's okay. Cause it comes off and you know, that kind of stuff, just moving that feel yeah. actually, but starting from the muzzle because she's got to have the muzzle in my hand. So what I'm not going to do is have a muzzle in my hand and then go straight into like, can I touch your ear? Can I touch? That's not possible. This is very much like a slight, if I open my hand, it rubs the back of your, you know. You do, we, call, we call that sometimes with the therapy where we call it accidentally on purpose. Yes, exactly. Accidentally yeah. on purpose. You're accidentally going there, but you're doing it on purpose, but you, they don't, you're giving it, you're doing it in a way where it feels and, and looks accidental. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that's stuff you need to do without even having the, the head collar on. But then, um, so with these donkeys, even if you just hold the head collar out, like outside of their paddock, that is, you get calming signals, stress going on. So even, even something like that is, um, they're finding it difficult. So it's really important to observe what is going on. Don't ignore those calming signals. Don't ignore that head slightly raised and stuff. That is, you know, a signal that they that there's something a little bit wrong. Don't move it too fast. But when you do come on to training, you know, um, rather than putting the head collar on straight away, um, and I know Trudy likes to do this as well, is um, to use bailing twine. So can we put the bailing twine over the head and just to relax on the neck? Like even that, just the idea of something going over the ears and over the head, you know, because if, if they've never experienced that, that's a massive new thing for them. Um, and then it feels a lot less um, weighty and, you know, it's just a lot softer, isn't it? And then you could move on to the head collar. But I am going to say something controversial here. <laughs> and... Um, people will disagree and some people will agree with me. So uh, let's talk about the rope halters. So we had some really soft rope halters um, that we used to use. We don't use them anymore. I have a problem with rope halters in the fact that they put a lot of pressure on certain points on the head. And also because they're that much thinner over the nose, it's obviously, You've got that bone, which you're going to tell, remind me that's called. That's the nasal, it's just a nasal bone. Oh, it doesn't even the have nasal. a nasal bone. Um, so, you know, we can cause quite a lot of pressure because of that small surface area. But I like to use that before the halter. And that is because when you put on a head collar, you've got to do up the, the buckle. And what happens is sometimes the buckle gets stuck or sometimes, and you know, you kind of like accidentally do it too tight. 
or do you know what I mean? And you're there like messing around for a little yeah, while. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. It, and if it's a new one, sometimes it can be a bit stiff and the pin doesn't go through the buckle. If it's an old one, mine, I've just had to replace two of mine because Rum's chewed the straps. And um, so the, 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 the eye where the buckle goes in is all squished. So you can't get the need that, you know, the pin in that eye. Yeah. Um, or you have to, yeah, you have to use force to undo it because the buckle's stiff. Yeah. I yeah, exactly. I, mean. so, I don't like rope head, head collars. No. I know what, what I, you're what talking I, about is different. Yes. So what I do like using them for is the bridge between the baling twine and the head collar. So um, because what you have to do is because you have to do it up at the corner where you would do up a head collar, but you it's because it's a slip knot, you don't have to worry to, you know, you can't, you can do it very gently, but it gives the idea of like, I'm just going to hang around near this ear, kind of like your face part here. Mm -hmm. and usually something happens here. So I like to use that, um, but never lead off one or anything like that. It's literally you pop on, pop it off. And it's just, I and actually, you people that aren't used to putting head collars on as well, it's actually, you know, it's quite good. Because it's light. Yeah, if, if you have a, yeah, so, the, so the, I suppose the bonuses are, it's so, if you've got a soft one, because I've seen some which are really old and hard and they're still used, which must be awfully painful for horses. But so if you use a soft one, and I suppose you can also make the knots, you can slack it can't you, you can make it yes. slack so yes. it's not so there is no pressure it's just a feel like you said but exactly. um, I, mean, you so can... I suppose it's quite a good transition tool from the baler twine to um to a, an actual proper head collar but yeah. without being led on it so you don't have those pressure points exactly um, you can in. yeah you can build it up and you can absolutely go from baler twine to head collar depending on the horse or the donkey that you're working with or the mule that's it's very individual and so sometimes I do do that as a step if it and you know in this case that I expect with these donkeys that will have to be the next step because they yeah. have this vision of the head collar and it's so strong so it also looks slightly different as well so just kind of like as that stepping stone to build up the confidence as well so what's really interesting is um, I found a study and we love a study, don't we, Becky? Yes. You love a study. You don't love a study, but but we love the findings <laughs> of the studies. We just don't yeah. always like the studies. OK, so this was presented at the ISIS conference in 2019 and was conducted in New Zealand. And uh, so they did this um, study on foals um, all uh and it was holster training. So it was using negative reinforcement to train them, but they had two groups. So one group um, did, um, they did less than half an hour a day, which should be happy of this training. So one group did consecutively every day, and I think they did four days in a row. The other group did every other day and had a break in between. And what they found is the ones there was, the ones that were trained every day, there was a higher incident rate of biting on the fourth day, showing that stress behavior, um, rather than the ones that were trained every other day. And there was a significant decrease in the amount of biting that happened. 
Isn't that interesting? Mm. And I wonder whether that uh, is about the latent learning and the consolidation of it, or, um, yeah, I don't, yeah, that is interesting. I have one theory, a theory, it is a theory, but I was just wondering whether, because we know that biting is like a signal, a behavioral signal of stress. So I was thinking that they, day one, they do their halter training, all a little bit stressful what the hell's going on because really they haven't done any kind of training before and now they're doing this pressure release and stuff like that so by the second day they're still kind of got that cortisol going through their body they're still got that certain level of stress so you're starting that training session with a with a, a fold that's not completely de-stressed I guess so it's mm -hmm. almost like building so by day four you've kind of built up those stress levels so much whereas so it's trigger trigger stacking a bit like that. yeah but whereas if you do it every other day there's the opportunity for them to come down from it in the day in between and like have some downtime yeah. and um yeah that's my theory but that could be wrong but that's what I reckon yeah yeah it's interesting how with foals they just basically flood them don't they yeah That's... so this is it as well this is pretty much how uh, yeah any fold that gets trained pretty much it's like oh we're halter training let's just put, put it on and then it's like you know from day one the thing is if you do it like that from day one it's so much harder to change down the line but also the thing is is that it's ex widely acceptable behavior to avoid the head collar like you walking around with rum, trying to get a head collar on, a lot of people won't question that. Or a horse that no. looks like head, they won't question that. You know, it's just that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's because we're more aware of it. But also, like, I also have another thing that I wanted to say about putting head collars on and bridles. So I teach it in a very specific way at Conquest because, you know, they have this blind spot. No one wants to be like just picking stuff straight into that blind spot, okay? So head collar, I like them to know it's there, know it's coming on and the same with the bridle. So with the bridle, what I'll actually do is have my hand around underneath the head, just like cradling the nose. With my other hand, I'll have the bridle, but closed with the bit hanging and I will mm. have the bit on the nose and I will guide it down and then into the mouth. So the horse knows exactly what I'm doing every step of the way, rather than that's another one of my big bugbears is when people just put bridles on. Cause I just think, God, could you imagine if that was us? And someone's just like, oh, here's a bit of metal, whack it in your mouth. Of course it's gonna be, you'd be like, what? Your reactions will be head up and stuff. So giving that warning and the same with the head collar what I want to see is that interest in the head collar first so if I was training um retraining the head collar I would first of all make it into a game can we touch the head collar let's have it on the floor let's have it in different places and reward and stuff and then we use the shaping training of oh can we put the nose in you know just very gently target through the nose area um can you put your head in or you could do that with a baler twine as well you can do it with a hoop you can do it with anything getting that teaching that behavior of getting your head in I remember with rum that was something we did with the hoop because it wasn't too yeah we did we did it with the hoop well it was it was about um so we used the cone didn't we but to teach him touch so he used it he, he would touch his cone and then we'd have the um hoop 
how am I going to describe this for people? So we'd have the hoop under the, so yeah, so he would touch the cone, he'd hold that duration and the hoop would be on the, the cone and the cone would just gently move up and down from the cone to his nose. Do you remember? Yeah, and I don't would, think we did it like that. I thought we did it. I might be thinking about another horse. I thought we did it is the comb was there, we had the hoop, so he had to put his head through. Yes, yeah, yeah, he chose to put his head through more than, um, yeah, he chose to put his head through, which is what he does now with his bridle and his head collar. He chooses to put it. Yeah, exactly. But we did an an awful lot of... um, one thing I would say with the head collar is we did an awful lot of work with the head collar, with the head collar meaning nothing, but it's just on you. So it doesn't mean that there's a rope attached to it with a human. It doesn't mean that there's a rope attached to it and I'm going to lead you anywhere. We did it a lot of it with just the head collar on and nothing else. Yes. Yeah. So that he was at liberty with it. So it, it, it didn't mean... Um, it meant sometimes you wear it and sometimes you don't, but it doesn't mean anything different than it's just something you're wearing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Um, so, yes. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, it is. But. Yeah, go on. You could do it in protected contact, I suppose, if you've got a really an animal that I'm just thinking about the donkeys, especially because That's what we're using. I know. You, you talk about you talk about donkeys having a much different fight instinct. So a lot of people lump donkeys and horses together, don't they? It's a bit like rabbits and guinea pigs. And they're just not, they're not the same. And I think, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm learning more and more about donkeys through you because I don't really know much about them. But um, I know you've said that their fight instinct is much stronger in the donkey than it is in the horse. So I suppose using protected contact is really helpful because you're giving that space to the donkey, but also the donkey's got space to move away if they need to. So they're confident, yeah, and absolutely with um, the female donkey, that is absolutely what we're using because also we need to go to feet because feet are a state and we need to figure that out. So we will absolutely be using protective contact in that to give them the confidence as well. Mm. Too. Because, you know, um, the one that you can't move your feet around you know, it's really stressful for her. And also she's pregnant. So we have to be really careful of the way that in which we're working with her as well. So yeah, it's, um, yeah. Makes you think how they got them in the trailer and then to that new home. I dread to think that. Yeah, that's a bit grim. i tell you what we're doing with rum at the moment. So we've got a Cordeo, um, AKA a granny hanger. I've always called them granny hangers. And um, Judy said, don't call them that, it's a Cordeo. And I was like, okay, well, we call them granny hangers, but okay, <laughs> we'll call it a Cordeo in San Posh. But um, so we're using that. And I just had a thought whether that could work with the donkeys once, further down the line, once you've got the bale of twine and maybe you've even got the head collar on, but no lead rope is that you could give the cues through the cordeo and then bring in the lead rope afterwards because you yeah. can, so we're using the cordeo for our emergency stop because let's face it it's nice to have an emergency stop yeah. 
especially when you're riding, well, I'm riding a five, nearly six-year-old, and he is, he's super good, but I still would like a granny hanger, <laughs> um, an emergency <laughs> stop, and I like it to mean something. So we're training that, and obviously you can do left and right from that. If anybody's watched um, Angelo Teletine, who is a, he's a BHSAI, but he also does not necessarily positive reinforcement, but he does a lot of counter conditioning and operant conditioning. He works at a university in America, and he rides and jumps horses in with a cordeo. Um, and there's lots of stuff on YouTube, and he so he does all the left right forward back with the with the with the granny hanger basically with the cordeo so he doesn't use a bit a bridle or a bit at all um which is quite amazing mm. so um he's a very talented rider um but i'm just wondering whether that could be another step so the cordeo's on and you could learn directional cues through the cordeo yeah and then when the and then that's happens when the head collar's on so and then eventually you phase the cordeo out and bring the lead rope in but it's so then or you just always leave leave the cordeo on. why do you need to mm. take it off you could have a head collar and a lead rope and a cordeo it doesn't matter does it so, yeah and know, absolutely just an idea but it, it's um yeah it's and, well that does take me on to another point which is you know once you've got the head collar on it's then about leading. So you're not going to straight away put that lead rope on if you're doing your training. Can you walk with me? Can you walk beside me with it on and go through all that process before you actually, because also they won't understand what you mean. If they've never had like, they, they don't get it to start off with. What? It doesn't look like what it does to us, to them. So that's another important thing. Make sure they're really confident walking with you before you do that kind of leading on a lead rope and stuff. Yeah. And I suppose you could tar you could use the targeting with that, couldn't you? With yeah, um, the leading with the lead rope. Yeah, you absolutely could. Yeah. Yeah. So there's loads. There's loads you're doing with haltering and head collars. And yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's a behavior we quite often take for granted. And sometimes it doesn't look very pretty. And if it doesn't look pretty, that means that there's gaps in it and it and it should, and, and they should be happy or comfortable and um having the head collar on really so i think it's yeah and getting a nice nice head collar that matches their coat no i'm joking that's <laughs> comfortable comfortable yeah. i remember rum's got a leather one that um was given to him and the nose band is too low yeah do you remember it so it sits too yeah, low it's very yeah. fancy but it's not it's not that the pressure because that nasal bone is so thin um, it's not it's not okay so um yeah yeah no interesting stuff yeah hopefully you'll be able to record a bit of that and, and we can watch it on patreon. yes on patreon yeah absolutely absolutely always on patreon yeah <laughs> plug plug um so have you got anything else you want to say about um help collars and halter training I think I've covered everything that I wanted to to say yeah I think it's good I think it's, you've done well I think the rope I think the rope is also you've got to train the rope so I have this thing where I throw the rope over the shoulders of my horses the withers and then do their head collar and they're all fine with it and I remember seeing a leading a client's horse once to the school 
um, because she was doing the gates. And we went in the gate and she closed the gate. And I just, I, I shouldn't have done it, but I did it without thinking. I just threw the rope over his with him and he jumped. And I was like, <laughs> sorry. And it, and it, it, I was quite surprised because she was like, oh yeah, he doesn't, he's a bit worried about that. Yet this horse was like, um, you know, medium dressage horse. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but he's not okay with that. What's going on? He should yeah. be okay with that. You know, it's really interesting because it wasn't abrupt. It was just, uh, just throw that over your shoulders. And, you know, with it's, it, it's interesting, thing. isn't it? How we put so much effort into training in different disciplines and stuff, but the basics aren't. Yes, really that's cool. exactly it. I was, you know, I was gobsmacked because this horse has amazing moves. You know, he's, he's competing. But yeah, and I was just like, gosh, there's some history there. He'd come from Ireland. And I said, there's history there. He doesn't like that. And she goes, you don't know. I know he doesn't. And I just was like, that's the thing. That's the thing. You should be looking at it. But, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? But uh, all mine are, are, are fine with that. They're, they're pretty, pretty good with it. So, yeah, yeah blessed. Absolutely. Well, you're going to have a glorious sunny training weekend. I'm going to have a glorious sunny learning weekend. And then we're going to marry up next week and hit Jessie Sams with all our questions. Yes, let's hope she says yes. Not a master yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <old>. oh, well. <laughs> okay. Well, should we leave it there? Yes, let's leave it there. Fantastic. Oh, my lovely. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to make contact with either Kate or myself, you can contact us via Facebook. We are Little Green Stables or Ecological Positive Partnerships. Or you can check me out, Becky, on my website, www.littlegreenstables.com. We'd really like to make our podcast interactive. So if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to discuss, then that would be great. So send us a message either via our website or via our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube channels. Thanks. Bye bye.